Welcome to Smut Lovers, the podcast. The one place designed to talk about all things smut. For years, the word has carried negativity, but it's time to take back and own it. In each episode, you will spend time with spicy romance author Nikki Rome as she interviews readers, authors, and kinksters about all things romance. Do you have a book you love, but you've been too afraid to talk about it? Leave all that worry at the door and join us as we dig into what we love and what we hate about smutty books. Welcome back to another episode of Smut Lovers, the podcast. I am Nikki Rome, a smutty romance author, and I am here this week with Princess Rara of the Pink Kink Podcast and the Pink Kink Institute. Thanks, Rara. I'm happy to have you here tonight. I am so happy to be here. Let me tell you a little bit about her if you haven't already heard about her fabulousness. Uh, Princess Rara is a sadomasochistic switch with a bit of baby girl thrown in. Educating about kink is a deep passion of hers, and that is why she started Pink Kink Podcast and the Pink Kink Institute. In addition, she teaches at kink conventions and other venues to help demystify kink and provide kinksters with all the information and skills they need to minimize their risks. Rara is very active in her local community, serving as a munch host, demo top, occasional pro jame, and hosting BDSM play parties in her own personal dungeon. Her favorite kinks are impact, rope suspension, and sharps, but she has experience in many others. Rara is also an avid romance reader and credits BDSM romance with being an integral part of her introduction to kink, which is probably one of my favorite things about you, because why not? <laughs> I mean, yeah. most of our readers and stuff, like, that's our, all of us, it's been all of our introduction right? to kink is reading it first. <laughs> I'm, I'm living the dream. You are, you are. <laughs> So I ended up, I can't even, it was like, I think a series of different messages that went around. And then we were referred to you when we were looking for vendors and presenters and educators for Smut Lovers, the conference. And y'all, I don't think I've had anybody who's jumped on something and said yes faster than Rara. She was like, I will be there. What do you need? Okay. You combined my two ultimate favorite things in the entire world, kink and romance. Like, I know. it's my happy place. I love it. I love it. And we're so thankful. So she's going to be with us this September as a presenter. She's going to be teaching sessions. She's got a round table. She'll be there with the podcast as a vendor. Like we, we are all in. We're just, I'm like all the things. Oh, and we even have, you, we even have you hosting Panish Me Daddy, which I, got, I, I volunteered so apparently for that game. Yeah. That's what you get for commenting on a post. <laughs> <laughs> you but would listen, think I'd know better. I have got like the ultimate pack of every potential card you could want for this game. I love it. Yeah. In fact, I emailed the creator and I told him, I'm like, listen, I bought your game as like a joke for kind of like a small reader activity. But right now it seems to be the only thing people want to do. <laughs> like, if you want a table to come, let me know. And he was like, I need to talk to my wife first. And I was like, <laughs> I love you. Who creates a game punish me daddy? And he's like, I need to go talk to my wife. My wife. Yeah. But they have another event that same week. And so I don't think they'll be able to come. Oh. But I swear I'm I think everybody is so excited about that game. <laughs> you, we're gonna, and you're we're, ready to just make it sweeter. And it's fun. It's fun. Anyway, um, so all that aside, that's kind of how we connected. And I'm happy to have you here on the podcast so people can get a chance to learn a little bit more about you as we kind of roll into all this. And so 
let's start from the beginning because okay. you've been a reader of romance. Have you always been a reader of romance or have you, would you um, read in other genres first? How did you kind of I, find all this? I think I, well, I probably started with romance when I was in my, you know, like 13 stealing my mother's bodice rippers and <laughs> you know, the Joanna Lindsay's and uh, the Julie Garwoods and anything and everything. I, I always joke, this is, Thanks to those books, that's how I learned the word tumescent because they always had tumescent members tumescent. in their sex scenes. Listen, we haven't put that in books in a while. I feel like there might need a, there, there might be a need for a comeback there. <laughs> I, I'm not young, so it doesn't surprise me. <laughs> right. And, and I read from it for a long time, but with the stigma, I kind of, I hit it, right? You didn't want to admit you read that stuff. You got made right. fun of if you read that stuff. So I went through my phase where, no, I'm going to read high quality books like Patricia Cornwell and Mary, Mary Higgins Clark and other mysteries. Mm. And I will read that. And eventually I'm like, okay, these are fine, but they're not making my heart happy. I need yeah. to go back to my romance where I'm happy. So I started to read romance again on the down low because it mm -hmm. was still, you know, it was mommy porn. That's what we called it. Right. And I finally reached an age where I said, well, I'm all out of fucks. <laughs> I've used them all up. I'm just going to announce to the world, I read romance and I love it. And luckily, thanks to Fifty Shades, everybody started to admit, yeah, we kind of read romance too. Yeah. Yeah. It was almost like that book kind of busted things open in our industry. And we've talked about it before in some previous podcasts as well. Um, but I want to go back to that that stigma of reading romance because that's that is probably the number one reason why we have named our community smut lovers to begin with is mm -hmm. because I too spent most of my life ashamed that I read romance, embarrassed to admit it to people that were close to me. I mean, I had friends who read like historical romance at one point, but like clean historical romance or sweet or whatever we're calling it this week and things like that. And they just couldn't relate to the stuff that I really loved. Um, and much like you, I, I did, I ran out of fucks and I was like, listen, I'm tired of it. It's, it, it, it's a huge part of my life. I love what I'm doing. And so I kind of just busted in and started writing the shit too. But the part of it, I think that I love the most is like, when you finally reach that moment and you're like, I'm done, I'm done pretending. And you really kind of jump in, you find this community of people that is out there that love yeah. the same things you do. Well, I was surprised. So uh, my podcast, we also we have a Patreon as well. And one of our threads in our Patreon is about books. And I admitted, I came out and said, yeah, I read romance. Next thing I know, I've got five, six, seven, eight other people in the group going, oh, yeah, which ones do you read? And we started comparing. And yeah. there's a whole bunch of us in there who are like, yeah, this is what we read. We yeah. love it. Yeah. And so you said that Fifty Shades kind of broke the door open for you. Yes. Now, with at that point, was that the kinkiest BDSM-y type thing that you had read up until that point? Or had you kind of stumbled upon some of those books beforehand too? I hadn't really stumbled upon them before. I mean, the old, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. looking back when I was in college, I remember, you know, playing around with bondage and some other stuff, but I didn't know from BDSM and we didn't call it BDSM. It was just like, right. I, you know, I was thinking more along, you know, the lines of the old cartoons that I used to watch and the poor, the poor heroine attached by rope to the train tracks to and all that. Let's, let's Penelope, that was her name. Let's, <laughs> let's play Penelope. 
And I didn't think twice about it. And then I read Fifty Shades of Grey because everybody's like, you got to read this. And I went, all right. Now, thank God I had a Kindle so I could read it. Nobody had to know what I was reading. <laughs> right. And I was reading it and I went, damn, this is hot. Yeah. This is sexy. This mm -hmm. is turning me on. I like this. Yeah. And uh, that was it. That was like the door had been opened and I never looked back. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, regardless if it was Fifty Shades or something else, I think that's what's happened to most of us. I mean, a lot of us anyway. I stumbled into it earlier than Fifty Shades because I had kind of read a lot of Anne Rice and Laurel K. Hamilton and stuff and kind of the fantasy worlds, which had a lot of kinky BDSM stuff in it and undertones in it. And then even personally, same, like you do things and then you look back on it and you're like, oh, that was a kinky thing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> actually a thing that I didn't realize was a thing. Mm -hmm. um, and so from Fifty Shades then, you know, I because at this point now in your life, you were not a full-time community member and educator. At I that was point. not. I was still very much in the vanilla world. In the vanilla world. Um, but then I started to grab any and every BDSM specific romance I could get my hands on. And then I happened to be trolling Facebook. And I came across this group called Sizzling Hot Books or Sizzling Hot Reviews that read books and reviewed them. And I actually was a journalism major in college and did journalism and public relations for my first job hmm. for a while. So I looked up the website and they said they're looking for reviewers. So I reached out to them. I said, I'm interested. And they said, okay, well, we don't pay you, but you can get the books for free. I said, with how much money I spend on books? I will take it for that reason yeah. alone. Um, they're like, okay, could you send us a sample? So I sent a review on a book by Angel Payne, her very first book called Saved by the Submissive, I think is what it was called. And they accepted me. And at that point, I took my PR marketing skills and said, okay, now I have a platform. And I started to reach out to all the authors that I liked saying, hey, would you like me to read your book? Send me a copy and I'll read your book and review it. Wow. And I mean, I was getting books from Angel, from Cherise Sinclair, from Ann Mayburn, from um, lots of other people, like all the people I loved. And I just, and then I got to find some new authors and then I would join their street teams because I loved the books. And um, Angel specifically, I got, I got really close to her. And I remember in April of 2015, there was a conference in Las Vegas that she and a bunch of others were going to be at. And I went to finally meet these people that I'd been talking to online in person and Angel and a group of the, and, and readers, we all went out for dinner one night and a bunch of us were talking about, you know, we really are interested in this lifestyle. We'd like to really dip our toes into it. And Angel's the one who said, oh, then you got to join FetLife. I went, what's that? And she explained what FetLife is. I came home and I pondered it for about a week, talked to my then husband who did not understand at all mm. what my fascination was with any of this. But he said, do what you got to do. And I joined FetLife and the rest is history. And that was it, down and the rabbit hole. It. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, I love it. Like, and so from, like, if you had to go back, let's not even go back. Like right now, who are your go-to authors? Like what are the ones that you absolutely love that 
write it realistically enough that it works <laughs> and doesn't annoy you because I know that's probably a thing, right? Well, Knowing it what is. You know. but, I mean, <laughs> I, I am because I had been reading romance for as many years as I, as I have been, I do understand that there is a, a certain amount of not reality you need to have in the book to make it a romance. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and I think that goes beyond, like, I mean, we get some of the standards that we talk about, like, you know, the, the virgin romances where the first experience is always phenomenal. And, oh, yeah. you know, the fact that the hero and heroine come at the same time every time. And oh, like, for me, I mean, all, he's, she's always so wet and perfect. And like, so like, that's, I mean, we get used to that and, and okay, fine. That's yeah. there because it for just me, needs it's to be the there. Anal sex. Every time, <laughs> anal every sex time they open. can have anal sex, the very first time they try it and there's no pain and it's easy. Oh, yeah. or she's a virgin, but the first time she has sex, it's with the two guys and they do double penetration, the, the, pe- the, the vagina and, and the anal, and she's fine. And it was easy. No problem. No problem. I'm like, and what perfect. world do you people live in? Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, and I think there's those things that like, we're just forced to swallow as romance readers. And like, we're yeah. like, all right, whatever. But on the, like reading the kinkier BDSM stuff, I've come to learn there's some things that I just kind of have to swallow as a romance reader, too, because I'm like, OK, every time they get spanked for the first time, it's like this great thing. And there's no shock, you know, like I can't believe they raised a hand to me kind of situation because mm-hmm. we see that a lot. You know, consent is one of those weird things that isn't real in books. <laughs> no. Or in the books, everybody's having sex. Yes. And whether, even if they're not involved in a relationship, if they've done a scene, they're having sex. Mm -hmm. First of all, not every dungeon in America allows sex. Yeah. Ours here in Orlando doesn't because our county does not allow it. Yeah. Orange County does not. Osceola does, but where Orlando is, it does not. So that's not a thing. And I think even just the way that that dungeons are described in books or private clubs as they're often called right Mm -hmm. um is not at all what i experienced when i walked into ours for the first time you know you imagine like a red carpet rolled out for you and like this dim lighting and all this like beautiful stuff and this lush furniture and all these perfect things warehouses in the not in the not so nice parts of town because that's where you can get away with having these type of clubs without worrying about other businesses or residents being upset. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's that. Um, our dungeons. Not to say ours isn't wonderful because it really is. I mean, once the lights are off and scenes are starting and I mean, you are sucked into that world. Right. Um, but the first time I walked in there, it was for an orientation and a class. I was in the training dungeon. The lights were on. I'm like, what is this? And then when they opened later that night, I'm like, oh, okay, wait, this is what I, I get it. I was like, no, I get it. <laughs> but yeah. not at all what I expected the first time I walked in, which because, I mean, the only thing I had to go off of is what I read in books at that point, right? Mm-hmm. And a little bit of research, but. Yeah, I mean, ours, ours allow sex. Mm-hmm. That doesn't necessarily mean you're going to see sex. Yeah. Not everybody is comfortable having sex in public. Right. So, and um, at least my particular group, there's a lot of what we call platonic kink. So a bunch of us friends get together and go to the dungeon to do kinky events like you would meet your friends to go bowling. Right. There's no 
There's no sex. We're not attracted to each other, but I will have my hands on their naked bodies. Yeah. I will lift up my friend's breasts so I can hit her on the bottom side of her breast. Right. But I'm not going to kiss her. I'm not fondling her. I'm, I'm moving those breasts out of the way. Like, you know, it's a piece of furniture. Just move out of my way. You're in my way. I mean, it's kink for kink and there's, and that's one of the things. And I think we touched on this a little bit when I recorded the podcast for you guys, or maybe Mm -hmm. it was when we were talking afterwards. Um, And I don't, we don't see a lot. I think we're seeing more of that now in Mm -hmm. books than we ever have before where kink is used for other things right um with for characters right and and it's some of the stuff that we'll be touching on this year at our conference i'm hoping we'll dig even more into it next year because not all kink is about sex and i think as romance readers when we have that spark of interest in kink and bdsm we assume it always has to go hand in hand with Mm -hmm. sex yeah, I've started to see a little more like occasionally you'll read about somebody doing what they call maintenance spankings. Because for the submissive, having that spanking helps clear their thoughts. I, I do have friends who have great difficulty crying. So mm-hmm. having a really tough scene that will force them to cry is very helpful for their psyche. Um, no, I never knew that was a thing until it was brought up in a class that I had taken at the woodshed and yeah. they were talking about setting up scene and negotiating and so forth. And they were running down this list and they were like, you know, I ask questions like, what do you want out of the scene? Do you want to be happy? Do you want to laugh? Do you want to cry? Do you want to be angry? Do you want to scream? And I'm sitting here listening to these things and I'm like, cry, like you can make them cry just to cry. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, there have been parts of my life where it has been very hard to come to tears. And if I known it, I mean, there's, it's a safe environment for many people, right. Yep. Where it stays there and no one else needs to see that breakdown, that moment, but you're right. It's extremely freeing for them. And I think that stuff often gets missed in the translation into our stories because of course they are romance stories, right? Yeah. The humor gets missed. My scenes are actually, my goal is to laugh. Now I'm a switch. So I both top and bottom. My goal is to laugh. I did a scene the other day. Um, My friend was on the St. Andrew's cross. So I was on her left side. I hit her with my right hand. And as she is adjusting to the hit, I brought up, so it was right in front of her face, a rubber chicken. And I squawked it at her and she just lost it laughing. Like you just can't. You got and, to. And then later I used the chicken to actually hit her. It was just right. And I'm like, going, huh, I wonder how hard I have to hit in order to get the chicken to squawk. Yeah. I mean, it was for science. Yeah. I and when I'm bottoming, I am a brat. I'm an absolute brat. And I did a scene with a friend of mine who he this is our thing we brat with each other. And he he always asks me in the scene, what color are you? What co- color are you? So at one point I said, I'm super green. He's like, you can't be super green. I said, why can't I be super green? He says, no, you can be green, yellow, or red, but you can't be super green. I said, but I want to be super green. He said, you can't, you have to just be regular green. And I just looked at him in all seriousness and said, it's not easy being green. (laughs) I just can't. Like that. Like, I mean, but why not? I, (laughs) which until I saw a scene at our dungeon where a sub was literally hanging from the rafters and laughing her ass off. Mm -hmm. I was like, I, again, 
the books we read don't portray these parts of kink. And I think it is, and it's one of those things that they joke around a lot in our dungeon. And they're like, oh, because kink has to be so big and scary and serious, you know? And then you walk in and watch real scenes of real people doing these things. And they're having the time of their fucking life. I'm (laughs) laughing hysterically. Like for me, the scene is more fun if we're Mm -hmm. laughing because kink is fun. We enjoy it. So yeah. why shouldn't we be laughing? And I do wish the books would have more humor in them. Yeah. Some of my favorite books are when they do that kind of stuff where they're joking and mm-hmm. laughing. Um, you know, it's it's silly sometimes. And that and it can be, and it's allowed to be silly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I personally I sometimes see it more when like I read. Um, like a why choose when there's multiple partners, I feel like sometimes the author will feel like they can go a little further with the funnier guy, yeah. you know, the, mm-hmm. of the group. And then you could the get all those different dynamics of each of the men that are in mm-hmm. the group. And so you do get some of that humor, I think, more there than when the author's trying to stick with like the big and scary Dom dude, you know? <laughs> right. So. Um, so what are some of the things that you're reading now? What are your, what are some of your absolute favorites from, I don't know, all time this year, anything if you, and, and then I also am curious if you've met somebody who is a reader who has only kind of touched the tip of this, like that was not a euphemism. Just the tip. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Like where should they dive in? Because we've got some pretty heavy BDSM authors that are out there. And then we've got like light kink to kind of warm you up. And I mean, I'm sure you talk to people about this since you are a big reader of it. Well, a lot of people I know there, they tend to go straight to Cherise Sinclair and the Shadowlands. And I do enjoy those. But part of me is like, is going to set you up for a very unrealistic expectation. The Shadowlands is amazing. And if if we could only, my mouth to God's ears, ever get an actual dungeon like the Shadowlands, I would be happy and pay whatever it would cost. Right. Um, but it's I don't necessarily feel it's fully realistic of what happens. Yeah. Um, Golden Age. And I read it years ago. Did you? I read it a while ago. And even then I was like, wow. Like, I mean, it was probably one of the first club scene books that I read, series anyway. And I was just blown away by all the things. But like you said, then you don't see as much of it in other books and then didn't see it at all in real life. And I was like, okay, that's, I mean, it's nice. I love it. It's a great series, but yeah, not going to set you up right. Yeah. So I read, Golden Angel also writes some more, much more realistic type stuff which which mm-hmm. i enjoy um and um and maybe pretty much what she's about like yeah. it, most of what she does is she writes like real people doing real kink kind of things yeah in fact i just saw her recommended in a readers group because someone was looking for punishment scenes that were punishment scenes mm-hmm. <laughs> um and someone had tagged her in it and they were like hey don't you have a bunch of these and she had tagged a couple of her books i think are more on the historical side but have the punishment part in it yeah she writes she's got historical which are more of the spanko type or domestic discipline so they do have that and then she does have her stronghold series which takes place in um in a dungeon mm-hmm. so uh she's got that and mayburn's got her wicked series that i enjoyed she's got um i know we had talked earlier about a femdom she's got a great two-part book about a femdom 
couple, which I absolutely loved because the man was a, was your manly man that you would normally think is your domly, you know, your dom type gentleman, mm -hmm. but, uh, former military suffers from PTSD and being able to submit and all of that actually helps him with his PTSD. Like it's his, his therapy type stuff. Um, yeah. and I really enjoyed that because I'm not big on the, you know, the bitchy femdom with her sissy boys. It, it just, for me mm -hmm. personally, not my thing, not kink shaming. Everybody yeah. gets to enjoy what they want. Um, and I like that hers was more of, you know, just your normal, typical female who was able to be the dom to this very manly man. Right. Um, so I, so I did do that. Um, I am all over the place with books. So, I mean, I I'll do shift to shift series. I haven't found a lot though, that are as smutty. I mean, they have their sex and they have good sex, yeah. but they're not so smutty. Um, I, I mean, no. I like the non-con and the dub con if it's mafia and you know, he steals the girl. I'm totally okay with that. Yeah. And I wrote her. that. I mean, I do love yeah. that myself. Like, I'm yeah. like <laughs> go steal her and then make her yours. Like I'm all yeah. about it. You um, know, I mean, I get that it's a fantasy. And I think if I ever had any guy like try to do that to me, I'd probably slap him silly. Oh yeah. But it's fun to read. I, <laughs> I was talking to somebody, I think it maybe was on our podcast. And I was like, listen, I love reading the fuck out of some very nice knife and blood play, but am I ever going to let my husband take a knife to me? Absolutely not. But it's fine to read it in the books and live out those fantasies that way. Like I'm good with that. See, but actually, I'm so glad. I'm so glad you said that because see, that's actually the kind of stuff that does get my goat because the reason knife, why you be talking play, about that yes. stuff at the con. <laughs> knife play should not have blood. That's okay. cutting. That's that cutting. Is. Knife play is sensation play. It, it, you should, it should blow your mind and think there might be blood. But yeah. there really shouldn't be any blood, but we there's cutting. Really nice, fancy hand carved knife. Mm -hmm. from the dungeon um that we used for wax with wax play and i loved it and i was shocked at the sensation of how real it actually feels so that i'm okay with like that's one of those that i'm like mm, i get it now and i actually wrote knife play in a book with that type of an instrument and then other random things that yeah. he could just find and pretend he was cutting her with and she literally thought he was cutting her and he wasn't and the only reason why i wrote it that way is because i took a class yeah. i took a class and they were talking about it and i was like wait a minute we're not cutting skin here what's happening what? <laughs> and because it's not often i never saw it represented that way until i took a class on it but even the the whole part i mean you are you are a queen of sharps you love it love it right i you do strange things stuff. yeah and i've just i can't here here's how to tell people I have a couple of advantages. Number one, I actually have a very high threshold for pain. So I, I, I can handle things do. that other people can't. Number two, um, I'm out of fucks. So yeah. I'm willing to take risks that, you know, like, so what if it scars me? Like, I don't yeah. care at this point. I don't have, as long as this, I don't do anything in the face because I don't want right. the punum scarred, you know, <laughs> but the rest I'm fine. And three, I'm an absolute exhibitionist who one of my favorite things is the wow factor. When people see what I do and go, oh my God, wow. Like that's, that's yeah. my kink. And so sometimes I do stuff just so that people will look and go, oh my God, wow. And I'm like, thank yeah. you. Thank you very much. Thank you. That was me.
So I have to ask though, because sharps are just one of those that just gets me. I don't, I, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's just too many years of blood work. Thank you, mm -hmm. autoimmune disease. But um, I need to know, did you put your first needle in yourself or did you do no. it with a partner? And do you um, watch them do it? I'm very curious about this. Maybe the, I'll ask all the questions yeah, now so I won't interrupt fine. your session. <laughs> so um, I'm like, wait, tell me this. I got very lucky and I became really good friends with a young woman. Actually, we joke. She was young enough to be my daughter. I was one year older than her mother. But we became <laughs> super, super close. And she was into all this stuff. So I would watch her. And I yeah. would see her do... Um, needles and I watched her do medical staples mm -hmm. and I go, huh, that doesn't look as painful as I thought it was. And I'd watch her with her top who also became a friend of mine. And I thought, all right, let's do. And I actually started with staples first because you'll appreciate this because I could make it pretty. And that's really what it's, oh. what, what it comes down to. Can I make it pretty? It so pretty. you can yeah. make a pretty design. Yeah. So we would put staples in and then run ribbon through it and make corsets. And I would do corsets on my legs and my arms and my butt, my back, on my breasts. It was fine. And then eventually I finally said, all right, I think I'm ready now to try needles. And again, this is why I always tell people, don't, don't go by what I did because I'm, I'm, not, I'm not right. <laughs> um, and the first time I ever did needles, I did like 42 needles. Jeepers. Because I just, I go big or go home. Wow. And, um, so I started with that and then I took a class at, um, dark odyssey, winter fire on sutures. And I thought, I want to do sutures. I bet you I could do some really pretty stuff with sutures. And I got talking to the needle top that I work with now. And they said they do sutures. And I went, I'm sorry, what you, you do sutures. <laughs> and they said, yes. I said, I'm dying to try it. The only thing I've done is I sutured a banana during the class. It was a consenting banana, <laughs> but it was just a banana. But it was a banana. Right. Um, but I really want to try it. And so they did sutures on me and that was it. I was hooked. Wow. And then I took another class at another convention for topping for needles because I became friends with somebody else who had the same interest that I did. And she's mm -hmm. like, I trust you. You can try stuff on me. So I said, oh my God, I, I swore I would never top for needles, but okay, let's try this. And in the middle of the class, I put my first needle through her breast. And I think I was more giddy than she was. I literally, like a child, started jumping up and down going, I did it. Oh my God, look at this. I did it. I did it. I did it. <laughs> I need to put in another one. This was fun. Now you're addicted, right? I'm, I'm addicted. <laughs> I have, you should see my needle kit. I have huge oh amounts gosh. of needles and all my group friends were like, wait a minute, you're topping for needles. We need another person who tops for needles. So the first one of my, so then a friend is like, okay, would you top me for needles? I said, all right, but we need to discuss negotiations. And I need to tell you in full disclosure, I'm still brand new at this. Are you okay yeah. with that? And she said, yes. I said, no, I don't think you understand how brand new you're only my third person. <laughs> Like, I'm really new, new. I'm really, she said, it's fine. It's not a problem. I did four needle scenes that night. Wow. And, and that's it. And now I demo top for them. I love it. So, and I also do, I also top for suture, for, for needles and for medical grade staples. I have not learned to top for sutures yet. 
partly mm-hmm. because like none of my friends will let me do it to them except for one. <laughs> yeah, I have to find some new friends and partners. Yeah. 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 So how did you make the crossover from, I mean, we've talked like reader to kinkster. How Mm -hmm. did we make the cross from kinkster to kink educator? Because the Pink Kink Institute is a huge part of what you guys do or what you're doing, right? Plus you're Mm -hmm. all over everywhere speaking (laughs) speaking the word of the kink community, which is great because... I mean, I don't know. I've been addicted to your podcast since somebody referred me to you and was like, here, you should see if this chick wants to talk at your conference. And I was like, okay, <laughs> let me listen and see what she's about. Because, I mean, it's it's not just like education. It's broken down so that everybody can understand mm-hmm. it. And I it, take this for what it's worth. I'm huge huge supporter of all forms of education. But there have been times where I have dug into stuff. And of course, I struggle vetting. I struggle finding the right information. I struggle finding correct information. And then when I get to this point where I'm like, okay, I think this is a good source. And then I jump in, it's like, there's this I'm on this pedestal telling all you little people how you need to live your life kind of feel that I've gotten Mm -hmm. from some educators before and never listening to anything that you or Dara have done. Have I ever felt that way? And I love that about it. It's extremely approachable kink education, Mm -hmm. I think is probably the easiest way to say it. So how did I get there? Well, it actually started um, by becoming a community leader in my area. I, you know, one of the interesting things is if you're out there in the kink community, is a large, large portion of the kink community is neurodivergent. And a large portion has social anxiety issues, which is why I always tell people when they're like, well, I get socially anxious going to these events. I'm like, you'll actually be in the majority. And here I came in neuronormative, zero social anxiety as an exhibitionist. And as my friend says, I'm not just an extrovert. I'm an extrovert. Yeah. So I came in and I was like, how can I help and serve this community that's been wonderful to me? So I started off just kind of leading events and doing stuff with that. I converted my basement into a dungeon and would have people come over and do um, and do parties and stuff. And then we were lamenting about no real place to take classes. So now I took my organization kink. And my my superpower of networking and said, all right, I'll tell you what, I got the space. I know the people. I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to make classes start happening. And I wasn't even teaching them. Yeah. And I just started getting going. Uh, and that was really my plan. And then I was listening. I had other podcasts that I would listen to. And I found myself a lot of times yelling at the podcast if I'm in the car going, no, you're wrong. That's not how we do it in my community. We do it very differently. And I found that the vast majority of what I was listening to was all focused on doms and subs and relationships. And nobody was talking about like the group of friends who go out and just kink together. Mm -hmm. And then 2020 hit and I had a lot of time on my hands. As many of us (laughs) did. And I thought, I know I want to do a podcast. Everybody seems to be doing a podcast. I want to do a podcast and talk about kink the way we do it. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's the mother in me or the former, um, I was a preschool teacher for many, many years. Mm -hmm. Um, Just the ability to explain things 
in a more in, in in an easier, more basic way. I never I I never take myself seriously that I need to impress people with fancy words or mm -hmm. this or that. It's like I'd rather just have an interesting conversation with people. And so that's really how it started. And I dragged my friend Dart into it. I said, hey, guess what? Help me. Um, <laughs> and then it just took off from there. And then people kept talking about the fact that, because I live in a very, I, I live in the Washington, D.C. area. I don't know if it's the government or what, but there are so many kinky motherfuckers here. You can't, <laughs> you can't spit without hitting another kinkster. You could yeah. go, you could literally go almost every night to a munch without it being something. an issue. Um, yeah. So I, I, and I was like, what do you mean you can't find events or classes or this and that? They're like, yeah, I'm living in the middle of Iowa in the middle of nowhere and I can't yeah. get to classes. I said, you know, thanks to the pandemic, we have this marvelous thing called Zoom now that we've never really had before. <laughs> Let's, I bet you I can start doing kink classes once a month online and make it accessible mm -hmm. to people so mm -hmm. that people would have that. And it just, it just became, you know, a way again of sharing what I love with other people. I'm a big mm -hmm. proponent of, of education to be safe, right? Yeah. The more, you know, the less you can get taken advantage of. Uh -huh. uh, I'm a huge proponent of women empowering women. Mm -hmm. And especially, you know, unfortunately, the reality is there are predators. Yeah. I mean, they're everywhere, but we have them in the kink community. Right. I'm just trying to say, you know, teach new people, no matter what their age, young, old, but they're new. Here's what you should be looking out for. Here's right so that nobody can put one over on you. Yeah. And that's yeah. how it just... Are there is a dark side to the community as there is with everything. And I think you're very much in the right in the fact that the more, you know, kind of the safer it is because you can identify, you know, like, I mean, this is something I'm teaching my nine and 10 year old kids, like strange behavior, not mm -hmm. stranger danger. Right. Cause yeah. we had always taught stranger danger for years and years when I was younger, it was like, Oh, all strangers are scary, but not identifying the fact that like strange behavior is more concerning. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, and I think we'd see it talked about a lot as like red flags and the whole, you know, the kink community and, and other communities as well. But I think the part of it that, that I get the most out of taking your classes and listening to your podcasts and doing all these things is it's not one size fits all. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think right. the best kink educators I have ever found has that philosophy. No, it may not be the way it's done in your community, but it doesn't mean the way it's done in that community is wrong either right. right unless it's bringing harm to people and my red flags right? right and my red flags aren't necessarily your red flags because we have different Correct. wants and needs and the things that i would accept you may look at and go no i couldn't have somebody who's like that yeah yeah and i think that's huge because i will tell you you know one of the things that we've identified since building smut lovers um is in the whole premise of it is education that's where it started from i mean i've got 15 years as a corporate trainer in adult education, right? Um, so it's a big passion of mm -hmm. mine as well. But the difficulties I had as an author trying to find people, right, that yeah. were good people to get the information from um, and willing. And 
I am extremely lucky that I live in Orlando and I have the witch head in my backyard Mm -hmm. (laughs) because the amount of people that I have spoken with who are coming to the conference, who are part of the community, who have been on the podcast and live in the middle of bumfuck nowhere, where either it's not allowed, it's not present, or they have no idea how to find it, is frightening. I mean, it's, I mean, it's shocking to me, but granted, I mean, I think I've always been around a larger city my whole life. So for me, it's easier to find, um, but it's also not, it's just, it's just, it's just tricky. It's just tricky. And you also need to find people who have, as I mean, and this is just my opinion, you need to find people who understand romance novels. Yeah. Because yeah, I could come in there and say, well, this is wrong. This is not how it is, blah, blah, blah. But I've now turned you into just a fiction story and I've taken the romance part away. And, and again, going way back to the beginning, you know, people who don't look down on romance. Yeah. Yeah. Those who embrace it with open arms. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think that's where we've looked out with all the educators that we have that are coming to the conference, like you, who reads romance novels and multiple members from the woodshed who are junkies for erotica and romance books. And Whitney Miller, who's coming as our keynote, she, she, literally will assign erotica books and short stories to couples she is coaching to read them out loud in order to help talk through like the sexy moments in the bedroom. And I was like, wait, you do what? Like, I didn't even know this part about you when we started talking. But there, I mean, it is so healing for so many people. It is a way to live out fantasies for so many others. And it is such a huge part of so many people's lives that I think that is a, that's, that's really the biggest piece of it. They have to understand what we love about the books in order to yeah. be beneficial to us at all. I mean, I'm going over a lot of people of- who've been willing to write or talk or have been willing to talk or give me mm-hmm. info. But if you don't really understand what I'm trying to accomplish in my story, yeah. then it does make it a little more difficult. I've gone over the author list. I'm fangirling. There's some authors <laughs> there that I'm like going, oh my God, I'm going to get to meet them. This is so cool. I know. That's the fun part about these things, I think. <laughs> I love book conventions. Ironically enough, as a reader, I never really went to any oh. until I started writing books. And then I was like, oh, this is this is my jam. These are my people. Now, I've been to some that are like all genres. And then I feel like the redheaded stepchild. No offense. But like, <laughs> <laughs> it's very beautiful red hair. Yes. But, you know, the outsider. Mm-hmm. Um, I was even put on a panel with multiple genres at one conference, which apparently, I mean, because I have this the humor of like an eight-year-old boy at these things. Um, they were, it, it had been well talked about by the end because it turned into fucking hilarity. But I mean, you can't sit me on a panel with like a thriller author and a historical, Florida, she was like Florida historical novels and like all this stuff and then expect me not to make it dirty because like, I'm up there with half naked men on my covers and they're like, here's a beautiful landscape of a Florida pasture. And I was like, we are in the wrong place. Yeah. (laughs) Even within romance, I feel that way sometimes. Like I was laughing. I was at a book convention and all the authors were going down talking about like the kind of books that they write, you know, small town romance, this and that. Mm -hmm. And then we get to Golden Angel who starts talking about her, her hoot cow books. (laughs) And I'm watching everybody around going, what's that? And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, I just read that that was really good. (laughs) And I'm like helping explain what hookah was. And I'm busy texting Dara going, we obviously need an entire episode on just hookah. Which is how it came about. I love it. And it's like, so I hear shit because, and I really, my, my trigger, my triggers are broken. I read stuff that other people would be like, oh my God. And I'm going, 
God, this is normal. I don't think yeah. twice about this. I'm okay with that. I know. I know. It's funny. I, it's, I think, and they change over time too. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I'll get like on these super kicks of like dark romance and all the kinkiest stuff and loving the hell of it. And then I'm like, I need like a small town virgin romance, like insta-love can somebody just grab me one of those just a little palette cleanser for like the afternoon and then i'll jump into something else i've gotten back into reading paranormal and fantasy again and i love it i forget how much i love those books and those storylines and those sub tropes and that's i love that about romance because you can bounce around mm -hmm. you can but uh yeah there's always one in the crowd and luckily your one was golden yeah <laughs> i'm like yes I'm here. I'm with you. It's like, I read this. Oh, I love your stuff. Best. Yeah. I mean, and I'm the same way. I, you know, like sometimes I just want something. I, it's never clean, but mm -hmm. you know, I can range from um, historical to then I'll be on this kick of motorcycle, motorcycle guys. And then all of a sudden yeah. I want to be shifters. Oh, I need some wolves in my lives. Oh, a, mo a makeoverse with, with knots in their penises. I need that right now. <laughs> and then... <laughs> Oh, I need some wide shoes because, yeah. you know, it takes a village to, to keep me happy. So I need to be able to have that. I love it. I love all of it. I love everything about it. <laughs> That's why I love reading romance. Yeah. I live reality. I don't want to read reality. No, same, same. All right, we're running out of time. So tell us, we were we're going to link to all the good stuff so you know where to find Rara, you know where when to find her next classes, some of the recommendations she made, all that will be in the show notes. But tell us where we're going to see you next, other than Smut Lovers, because you teach all over the place. Do you have any other appearances yeah. or anything well, coming up? Well, I do up? know, um, I've just decided what our next Pink Kink Institute class is going to be. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be an Impact 101 class. Nice. So that's been much requested. That'll be at the end of July. Um, and I'll post that up. Uh, I'm always, you can find me at our local dungeon, the crucible in Washington, DC, pretty much almost every weekend I'm there either as a demo top or greeting people at the front door. I do that. I know I've got, um, your conference planned. I'm hoping to be at naughty Noel teaching in December. And that's in Gettysburg. Okay. That's hotel takeover. Actually, they take over two hotels nice. for the whole weekend King Convention. Wonder. So, very cool. I love it. I love <laughs> Impact One Hundred and One. My first Impact One Hundred and One class is when I fell in love with a flogger. At, but like, I've never actually swung one yet or been hit by one yet. So oh, really, I but I, I think they're you. the most beautiful things I've ever seen in a scene in my entire life. They are, floggers are amazing because they are so versatile. Depending upon what material and the size of it, it could be shocked. soft it's and very, lovely or yeah. it could be really harsh and owie. Yeah. I was amazed at the different levels of impact, the different types of, I mean, I was like, I was edge of my yeah, seat. Like, absolutely wow. Versatile. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So someday, maybe, I don't know. I think I left that class with an evil stick. Ooh, we'll I start. love evil six. I'll pack. I'll tell. I'll pack a flogger in my suitcase. We'll talk yeah. when I'm in Florida. Can't wait. All right, girl. For those of you who are listening, thank you so much for supporting us and this episode of Smut Lovers the Podcast. If you are one of our patrons, make sure you jump over there. 
Well, and go look for Pink Kinks Patreon because that <laughs> sounds like a place you need to be. But also listen to ours because we are getting ready to record that extra special bonus scene with the amazing Princess Rara. Thank you again. Thank you.